Hey everybody, welcome to West Houston Christian Center. It's Tuesday night and we're continuing our series on the Holy Spirit. I'm Pastor Steve and we're gonna be talking tonight a bit about some excuses that people have on the Holy Spirit. Now, we know from our previous discussion with Pastor Jack that people um, have so many different feelings about this. Is it for me? Is it for today? Is it just something that you Pentecostals and uh, Charismatics do? Or, or is it something that's truly for everyone? So we're gonna kind of examine that and talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, um, and give you some scripture support for knowing that this is for you. So starting with the first excuse, I guess, the way I like to say it, is people say the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not for me. It's just not for me. I know you guys, maybe pastors needed or teachers needed, or, or maybe it's something that Pentecostals made up. Um, I don't know what this all means, but that's not for me. I've seen that and I've heard stories about it and it's just a strange thing. Well, I guess the question <clears throat> that you have to ask yourself, you know, why should I receive? So if we look at what the Bible says, it says that God's not a respecter of persons. It says that whatever he has, these are gifts for everyone. So the, the question you need to ask yourself is, do you believe in God? Okay, let's just say, yes, I believe that, that God is a holy God and he wants good things for me. He's my heavenly father. Do you believe in Jesus? And do you believe that Jesus loves you? And if Jesus loves you, he's only gonna have good things for you. So let's, let's talk about what the Bible says. John 14, 16 says, I'm going to, this is Jesus talking, okay? He's talking to um, his disciples and some others and says, I will ask the Father. So Jesus thinks this is important enough that he's going to go ask God about this. It's not, he was real big on, uh, hey, this is just me. I only say this because the Father tells me to say this. And so in the same token, he's gonna go talk to God and ask the Father and the Father, God, will give you another comforter to help you and to be with you forever. And this comforter's name is the Spirit of Truth. So he tells us several things in there. He tells us that um, it's important for Jesus because Jesus doesn't just go talk to God about everything. He go talk, goes and talks to him about the things that he's going to share as gospel, if you will, to all the disciples and all the people that he deals with. And so he talks to the Father and says, um, and make sure that we understand that the Father is going to give this Holy Spirit. And he also makes sure we understand that the Holy Spirit is going to be a comforter to us. And then he also helps us understand that he's not just a comforter like, oh, it's gonna be okay. I mean, there's an element of that you know, we have comforters in our own life, whether it's your pastor or your spouse or your parents or whoever it may be. And they do put their arm around you and say, it's gonna be okay. You know, we're gonna make it through this. You're gonna be, you're gonna do fine. But there are some people that will pacify you. And no matter if you're doing the wrong thing, you know, you're breaking the law and they say, well, you know, you, you knew better, but it's gonna be okay. Well. You know, the, the, comfort isn't, the comforter isn't that kind of a, uh, a, a pacifier. He's not going to say, don't worry about anything you do wrong, it's fine. He is more of an encourager. 
And he's going to say, I know things look difficult now. I know things are challenging, but you're going to make it because you can do anything because of Christ. So uh, he follows on to say that he's a spirit of truth. And what does that tell us? Well, let's just go on to John 16, 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, if I'm someone saying, well, I don't think this baptism in the Holy Spirit is for me. You're also saying, I don't really want this truth you speak of. Because if you're saying the baptism and the filling with the Holy Spirit to get as much Holy Spirit as you can possibly receive isn't for you. You're saying, I don't need truth in my relationships, in my, um, in my job, in my financial decisions, in my Christian walk, in whatever the daily things that you struggle with in life. I mean, who doesn't want that? And that's why it's important for, for us to be open to what the Holy Spirit has to, to give us because honestly, His whole job is to comfort us and guide us and be an advocate for us and do all the things to help us, but only through the spirit of truth. Because only, you know, if he is representing God in our hearts, he's not going to want to guide you to the wrong direction. He only guides you in the right direction. And wow, what a blessing to have in your life. So if we look at what Jesus talked about, now he just, he had already told us, um, I'm going to go to the Father and ask for him to send the Holy Spirit. But in John 16, 7, he goes on to say, I tell you the truth, it's expedient for you that I go. And he's telling them, I've got to go away and I'm not coming back. It's expedient for you that I go away because if I don't go away, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So there's sometimes a little bit of a confusion around, well, who's sending this, the comforter? Is it God? Is it the Holy Spirit? I mean, is it Jesus? So what it is, is Jesus is saying, uh, God and the Holy Spirit are, you know, sitting there in, in heaven waiting for Jesus to complete his ministry. And as Jesus gets to a point in his ministry where it's, he's already uh, died for our sins, he's uh, risen again, and he's proved to them that he conquered death, then he says, now my part is done. I mean, even on the, cr the cross, he says, it is finished. And he, he uh, goes back to see the Father. And when he does, he says, okay, I'm back, Dad. So let's send the Holy Ghost. And <clears throat> the Father is promised to send the Holy Ghost, but he's waiting for Jesus to complete his part. And so you see the importance of the Holy Spirit. If you say, I don't really need the Holy Spirit or that's not for me, what you're saying is, I don't want the promise of the Father. I don't really want what Jesus is asking for. And wow, what, what a, um, what the opposite of what a Christian should be looking for and asking for. Jesus says, it's so important that I need to go because uh, if I do, everyone will benefit. So why is it so important for Jesus to leave and for the Holy Spirit to come? John 14, 26 says, the comforter who is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I said. So, you know, uh, the disciples are following Jesus around and listening to all these parables and all these uh, truths that Jesus is giving. 
And you know that they've got to be going, man, is anybody writing this down? Well, fortunately, a, a lot of them were writing it down. And so that we have the benefit of the stories in the Bible today, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, uh, and Paul, and all these other guys were writing this down to capture it. But they're probably thinking, man, I can't remember. What did he say about this? What did he say about that? And, and so we're capturing that um, for future generations by the written word and, and um, which turned into our Bible. But the other part of it is simply this. Jesus taught thousands. We know this. We know he fed the 5,000 and, and we know there were very large groups that followed him around. But Jesus was limited by the physical world. And so what he would do is go up to a high place or get out on a boat or get someplace where there was enough um, echoing, enough uh, uh, volume so he could reach a lot of people and they could hear what he was saying. But Jesus said, this still is just reaching the people around me. Still just the people that come to hear me. What about the people in other nations? What about the people on other continents? He's, he's um, you know, he's thinking forward, of course, because he knows the plan of God. And so he says, it's really important that the Holy Spirit comes because when he does, the Holy Spirit will teach billions. There's billions of people on earth and there's billions of Christians already. And there'll be more and more as we come closer to the end times. But the, the idea is that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will come inside of us and then he will be in every Christian. And we become the witnesses of, for Christ to the world. And so instead of Jesus being in one spot, like I am speaking to a group of people, uh, he, the Holy Spirit is in every Christian speaking to everyone that they come in contact with. And so it's the multiplication effect. And Jesus knows that um, by going from the physical world of just him being uh, one man in one spot to the spiritual world of having the Holy Spirit inside of us, what a huge multiplication that does for the gospel of Christ. So to give you another uh, example of how important this is for Christ, let's just look at what he did on his last day on earth. So he's out talking to a bunch of people and in Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised. So again, these scriptures, um, they all work together to continue to, to give you more and more insight into what's happening here. Originally he says, I'm gonna to talk to the father and then he says, I'm going to talk to him about the comforter. And then it says, well, the comforter, that's the spirit of truth. And he says, I'm going to ask him and he's going to send him. And then in this scripture, he says, and he's promised to. So he's saying the father has promised and he asked them to do one thing. Now, when we talked about this, I think last week, you know, what is it like when you're uh, talking to someone that you love and you have to go away for a while? And I always compare it to this. I'm a father, so I have children. And I remember once I had to go on a trip to Europe and I had to tell the kids, you know, while I was gone, uh, I'd say, you know, be good to your mother. Uh, <clears throat> uh, make sure you keep up your studies, whatever it is that I was telling them. 
But if, if, the, if I was a, a true loving father and that I had to uh, talk to people about what do you want me to do while you're gone or what is it that I think is so important to tell you before I leave, I would, you know, Jesus had all these things that he could talk about healing. He could talk about uh, the good news. He could talk about um, his, his death and burial or about sins uh, being forgiven. So many things, you love your fellow man, all the different parables and things that he had given them. But instead what he did was he said, here's what I want you to do. Go and wait. Go and wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. I think we'll stop right there for, for just a minute and we'll go hear some amazing announcements about our church and we'll be back in just a second. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for those announcements. I know that you guys are excited about the stuff that's going on at WHCC and uh, we hope that you'll join us in some of those classes we talked about. So going back to where we were, the last day on earth, Jesus told him to do one thing, and that is wait in Jerusalem. In Luke 24, 49, he says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, naysayers will say, well, what does that got to do with the Holy Spirit? It doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit. Well, what it says is, remember the promise that God made? We've been talking about it, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. Well, that's who we're talking about. That's the promise. And if that's not enough, we go on to Acts 1-4, um, where he says it a different way. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift. Okay, the Holy Spirit is a gift that my Father has promised. There's the promise again, which you've heard me speak about. How many times have we heard about it already today? June, uh, um, in John 14 and John 15 and John 16. It says, John baptized with water, but in a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So now he's introducing this new term, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not the first time, but what he's saying is, um, I, I talked to you about the promise. I talked to you about the Holy Spirit. I talked to you about the spirit of truth. I, and now I'm telling you, this is really important. I said it was really important that I leave because it's important to you. Now I'm telling you, it's important the most important thing, because as I leave, I could give you all this information about what you should do and what you should study and all that. But what Jesus told him was, just wait for the Holy Spirit, because that's going to be the most important thing in your life, in your Christian walk. And so he tells him this. And then, of course, we have to see well, what happened. Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, it says, the day of Pentecost was uh, fully come. They were all in one accord in one place. And we know that from other scriptures, there are 120 people in that room. And they're waiting. And they're not really really sure what they're waiting for, except for the promise of the, the Father that had been told. No one had been baptized in the Holy Spirit before um, in, in their world. And so they're going, I'm not sure what it is, but Jesus said, wait. And it says in chapter, in verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2, Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting. And in verse four, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say all. And began to speak with other tongues. So this is that promise that God had for them. It was the promise that they would be clothed with power from on high. 
They would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and God fulfilled that promise because they obeyed Jesus and waited. Now we know there are something like 500 people that heard him say this and only 120 waited long enough. So people are impatient and they said, well, this is important, but not important enough for me. So again, going back to, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you? And you think it's for Pentecostals? No, Pentecostals are called that because they have received it, not because they made it up. So the Bible tells us about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is for everyone. So ask yourself, do you want this truth, spirit of truth, this teaching that he will give you and the power that comes with being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And do you want to be obedient to Christ on the last thing, in fact, the only thing that he asked them to do on his last day on earth? And so if you do, and if even the words that I'm saying, the scriptures that I've been reading um, um, speak to you, then ask him. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit, and he will. And you know why I know that? It's because, because God's promises are for every believer. Um, Acts 10, 34 says, God is no respecter of persons, which means he doesn't play favorites. Now, he speaks to his children as a father. So I'm, like I said before, I'm a father, but, but I can't tell other people's kids what to do, and I can't force them to do things. I only have authority over my own children. And so in the same way, God doesn't tell uh, other religions. Now he talks to them, but he can't give them a gift if they're not his children. But if you are one of his kids, you have accepted Jesus, then you're a Christian and uh, Jesus is the one who asked for this. And so everyone that's a Christian, it's available to you. So let's move on to another excuse people have. And that is simply, uh, this Holy Spirit baptism isn't for today. Well, this one is pretty easily disputed just by a, a couple of scriptures. Um, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, after he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, that Peter stood up in Acts 2, 38 and 39, and he replied to all these people that were listening in the city. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He's saying this thing that you're seeing now that, that just happened to us. And this promise, okay, listen closely to this. It's for you, people listening, and for your children, people listening, and for all off as far as who the Lord will call. And that is everybody. So the Lord called me, but you know, 2,000 years after this, this uh, speech was given by Peter. Because Peter's making sure that, hey, this isn't just for us up here uh, in the upper room. It's for you and your children and your children's children. And as many until uh, the, the Lord has called everyone, until we basically, until we go home to be with Jesus. And so that's you. That's you listening to this broadcast right now. And how do I know that that promise hasn't changed? Because Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Not yesterday, period. Yesterday, whenever today is for you, for the, the people that read this the first time or for you reading it today, but the forever covers all of us. So we know that this promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is 
forever until we don't need that, the baptism any longer because we have all gone back with Jesus to, to live with the Lord. Number three, tongues is of the devil. We talked a little bit about this last time, but it's really, uh, it's, it's such a, a trick of the devil to pull you away from God and to also claim, you know, he wants to claim this is something that I'm doing. Look how amazing this is. And so he's trying to, trying to take credit for it. But clearly it's not from, uh, from the devil. So we, again, we look at the Bible. I'm, I hope you understand, this is not what uh, Pastor Steve or Pastor Jack talk about the Holy Spirit. Now we have some knowledge in this and we're sharing this, but we're getting it from the Bible. We're not making this stuff up. One of my biggest challenges when I heard it for the first time, I was like, well, I don't know that guy. Where is he getting this stuff? And then I had to read it in the Bible and go, wow, all this stuff is really in the Bible. So what do I do with that? Acts 2.4 says, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, how do you say tongues is of the devil when the Holy Spirit is the one giving you the tongues? Pretty clearly it's not of the devil. 1 Corinthians 14.39 says, brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy, and, but do not forbid speaking in tongues. So again, if this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, if he had um, um, a, an important fact that, hey, tongues, some devil tongues has tried to sneak into the Corinthians, then he would stop it right then. And he would say, hey, hey, don't do this anymore. But instead what he says is, yeah, keep on doing it. And don't stop people from speaking in tongues. So this is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament and he's telling us tongues is a good thing. In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 18, after he told them kind of, here's the balance of, of how to use the spiritual gifts. He says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So this, we have proof that tongues comes from the Holy Spirit. We have proof that, um, that Paul spoke in tongues. We have proof that he told them not to stop people speaking in tongues. So then look at a few more scriptures here to kind of give you a feel of who was involved. If we take the day of Pentecost, we know who was in the room. Well, we know some of the people in the room. Out of 120 people, it says specifically, all the disciples. Okay, I would say, wouldn't you agree that all the disciples are, are pretty Christian-like men, right? They're pretty close to Christ. They're pretty solid in terms of knowing good from evil. Uh, the disciples were there. Mary, Jesus' own mother, was there. His brothers, Jesus' brothers, and 120 people that were so dedicated to Christ that after 380 people walked away, these people stayed. And all of these 120, including the disciples and his mother, spoke in tongues. Uh, we have clear evidence in the Bible. If we go on to other uh, sort of famous uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit areas. We have the Samaritans. So the Samaritans spoke in tongues. Well, who was there leading this thing? It started with Philip. So Philip was a disciple and he came through and said, and taught them all about Jesus and everything. And then he sends for Peter and John. So two more disciples come in and, and they say, um, this is important. Get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. Saul's conversion. Jesus um, um, talked to 
a guy named Ananias. And it says he lived in Damascus. We don't know a lot about him, except he was a devoted disciple. The kind of person that hears from God directly. And this, I hope you understand where I'm getting at. If tongues is from the devil, then why is God talking to this disciple about it? Because he's reaching down to the kind of disciple who is so strong that he hears directly from the Lord. And the Lord says, there's a guy named Saul. He lives over here. I want you to go pray for him for his blindness. And I want you to pray for him to be filled with the spirit. And, and he doesn't even flinch. In fact, he says, well, he does flinch a little bit. But initially he says, here I am. Like, is that you, Lord? What do you need me to do? He doesn't get freaked out like, oh my goodness. You kind of get a feeling that it's not the first time you've talked to the Lord. So he's the kind of firm, full, strong disciple that can go talk to Saul and get him saved and, and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, so he believed in it. We go on to a couple more quickly. Uh, Cornelius is uh, when Peter goes to the house of Cornelius. So again, Peter is the one telling him about this. In Ephesians, it's Paul talking to the Ephesians and telling them about uh, the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when you, when you say that tongues is of the devil, well, let's see. So all the disciples, Jesus' own mother, uh, Jesus promised the baptism, uh, came from the Father. Peter, John, Philip, um, Ananias, Paul, all these people that were huge players in the Bible spoke in tongues and taught others to speak in tongues it seems really unlikely that they would be teaching them something from the devil. I mean, let's just get real, right? So that's probably a good place to stop for today. And just to, just to think about it, the stuff we talked about tonight. If you don't think it's for you or you don't think it's from God, hopefully something in the scriptures we've seen tonight would just show you that it is clearly a promise from the Father, a specific instruction from Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit has come to live inside of each one of us. It says he will make his home in there. We become the temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit uh, speaks to our spirit and tells us that we're children of God. He's our comforter. He's our guide in life. He teaches us all about what Jesus said and the promises he made. And so if he does all this amazing stuff for us, why are we so quick to reject him? Why are we so reluctant to receive him? And it's because of fear, usually. It's because of fear, misunderstanding, miseducation. My, you know, my pastor, my parents never taught me about this. Guess what? They never understood it. They never heard it. They never received it, probably for the same reasons that you're not. And so I just urge you right now to open your hearts and receive the Holy Spirit. So before we close tonight, I just want to uh, give an opportunity for anyone that hasn't made Christ your Savior to accept Him tonight. So just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I know that you died for my sins. I know you died on a cross and suffered all this pain to take all my sicknesses. And I know you were the son of God, an amazing premier sacrifice for my sins.
And I know that you love me is why you did all this. And so, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. Come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. And help me to be a, a follower, a believer, a servant to you, Jesus. And while we're at it, if you've never uh, accepted uh, or asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, let's just go on, uh, keep on going. We know, Lord, that the Bible says you're the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. Because the scripture says, John baptized in water, but soon you'll be baptized. But there's one coming after me who'll baptize in fire. And Jesus says, soon you're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but not till I can go and get up there with God. And so Jesus promises the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So say this prayer after me. Jesus, I know you're the baptizer of the Holy Spirit, and I ask for the baptism right now. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I expect to speak in tongues because the Bible says that's the evidence. And I rebuke fear and I put aside my logical thinking and simply receive by faith. I pray that you would fill me up and empower me with the Holy Spirit for your service. Amen. Well, thanks everybody for listening. I know this has been a, a fun series, learning more about the Holy Spirit. And as Pastor Jack and I continue this series, we're, we're just excited to share about the precious Holy Spirit and how He and Jesus work side by side and the importance of Him in this last part of our life. Because when God was talking to Moses, He had His season. Then He sent Jesus in and says, Let's put, let's put God in flesh so people can understand. And then Jesus says, let's use the multiplication thing. Let's put uh, God in everyone. And so that wherever people go, whatever they do, as long as they have accepted Christ, they have the Holy Spirit inside of them and they can share that love and share the gospel with other people. So thanks, and we will see you next time.